Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. It's just family today. I'm joined by Melissa Davlin and Ruth Brown of Idaho Reports discussing Tuesday night's primary election results. Good afternoon to the two of you. Good afternoon. Hi, Logan. I hope you got some sleep. So we were up late, late Tuesday night following um, the election results. Melissa, let's start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from the results last night? Biggest takeaway for me was this was a bad night for incumbents. Uh, 20 legislative incumbents, including two House members who were trying to move up to the Senate um, and four incumbents who were redistricted together and were facing fellow incumbents. Uh, In total, 20 lawmakers lost their primaries um, against challengers, which is really uh, quite shocking. You couple that with a lot of the retirements that we were all we already knew were happening, um, the losses we were already expecting, um, and we are going to have a very radically different legislature next year. I don't mean that in terms of ideology. I just mean new faces. Um, a, a lot of long-serving lawmakers aren't going to be there anymore. Um, you know, and a few of those races weren't on my radar. Um, and I'm I'm perfectly fine admitting my ignorance here, but Senator Jeff Agenbrod lost. Uh, that that race was not on my radar at all. Um, Senator Jim Patrick lost. Um, in hindsight, that should have been on my radar because a, a lot of people were upset that he didn't hear certain bills regarding um, COVID vaccinations and businesses. Um, you know, so shame on me for not seeing that one coming, but he lost um, and and he's been in the legislature for quite a while. Also a bad night for statewide incumbents. There were only three statewide office holders, Brad Little, Lawrence Wasden, and Sherry Ibarra, who were seeking re-election in contested primaries. Two of those lost their races. And looking back for decades of primaries, I I couldn't find another example of when Idaho voters kicked out two incumbents in a primary. So that's really something. Idaho doesn't kick out incumbents in statewide offices very often. So for that to happen twice in one night is is pretty remarkable. Lawrence Wasden, of course, is Idaho's longest serving attorney general. um, And he lost to Raul Labrador. Sherry Ibarra, two-term superintendent, um, lost to Debbie Critchfield in a three-way race. And Ruth, what did you have your eye on last night? So I focused on the statewide races, but Melissa's right in the legislature, uh, there were some fundamental shifts that I think will make make the 2023 legislative session really uh, unique. Some of the more conservative lawmakers like Carrie Hanks and Ron Nate, um, Chad Christensen all lost their races. We will have some um, new lawmakers coming in that are quite conservative or uh, for example, Ben Adams is now over in the Senate Tammy Nichols is now over in the Senate. Uh, And historically, the Senate has been more moderate. Uh, The Senate is often the one to not hear uh, those bills. They shut it down. Um, I think it's also interesting that we lost um, some leadership. For example, Jim Rice, who's been in the legislature for a very long time, lost his seat. Um, Speaking of um, Liberty legislatures, Greg Furch lost his seat. Uh, Representative uh, Vanderwada um, took that. Uh, Senator Thane, who is chair of educa- was chair of education committee, lost his seat um, to grow. So it'll be up to the new speaker of the house to appoint a new 
um, new chairman for the committees and time will tell who's that's who uh, that's going to be. I don't know that I'm ready to take bets on that. Um, we did see some uh, more fringe candidates lose, uh, for example, Todd Engel and Eric Parker, who are known for um, their role in sort of anti-government uh, involvement or militia involvement. They both lost, um, but got quite a few votes. It, I wouldn't characterize it as they lost overwhelmingly. Uh, so uh, that's unique. We have some races that were neck and neck. Um, Scott Syme and Judy Boyle are within six votes of each other. Uh, Britt Raybould and Ron Nate are within 36 votes of each other. And I believe there are several other races that will uh, need recounts. So it was an interesting night, but my biggest takeaway is the legislature will have a dramatic shift um, in both the Senate and the House. So we'll see We'll see where that takes us in 2023. I think that's absolutely fair to say. My read on some of those legislative outcomes also was that the Senate is getting more ideologically like the House. It seems like a lot of the more conservative challengers took out quite a few incumbent senators last night. And if you look at the electorate in Idaho, uh, it that matches what what voters are wanting in a lot of levels of government. You know, you look at the county commissions, you look at the school boards and a lot of those races, a lot of those elections have shifted more conservative in recent years. And so um, that's not a shift that is surprising. It's something that a lot of Republican central committees have been working very, very hard at um, when they're recruiting candidates. And so even though statewide, a lot of the, um, the more conservative candidates lost, like Janice McGeehan um, and Priscilla Giddings and Dorothy Moon. Um, when, when we're looking as a whole at what Idaho voters wanted on Tuesday, um, region by region it varied, but a lot of them wanted more conservative representation. Definitely not a great night to be an incumbent. And I almost wonder how much of that is just a function of being incumbent during the pandemic, you kind of get blamed for the situation that went A function of, um, you know, being an incumbent during the pandemic, a function of shifting district lines after redistricting. There were a lot of forces at play here. Um, a very contentious statewide election that got a lot of people motivated, although arguably every two years it's contentious. You either are in the election with the, it's either the presidential election cycle or the gubernatorial election cycle, right? There's no escape for lawmakers who get elected every two years. Um, but but this one was particularly um, inwardly focused for Idaho Republicans. Uh, there were no Democratic legislative primaries. There were no Democratic statewide primaries, although there was a write-in campaign um, for, for governor from Shelby Ronstadt. But, but really... So millions and millions of dollars went into this Republican primary between the legislative and the statewide races. Um, and, you know, there was the, the so-called GOP unity rally um, earlier on Wednesday. And traditionally, this is when candidates, um, winners and losers come together and say, you know what, this was a nasty primary, but we're all focused on the goal of getting Republicans elected in November. You know, looking at pictures and coverage from that rally, only the winners were there for the most part. There were a couple people who lost their elections on Tuesday night, but I think that there are still going to be some sore feelings looking at social media posts from people who lost their elections. Uh, 
there, there are going to be some smarting feelings after this. Um, and I imagine we're going to see repercussions of that and ripple effects of that um, for a long time. The, this, um, this fight among the Republicans isn't over, certainly. I think it's also my takeaway from the night. I also was not expecting Senator Eggenbrod and uh, Senator Crabtree to lose. The reason I bring that up is uh, just recently Representative Youngblood and uh, Representative Nielsen Troy have resigned. And so if Agenbrod is not coming back and Crabtree is not coming back, the entire um, chair, the entire leadership over the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee uh, is not coming back. So it'll be up to the new speaker, to whoever that may be, to appoint new leadership over JFAC. JFAC has long been... Um, believed to be one of the hardest working committees. They meet every day. They have to go through all of the state budgets line by line, and they have a lot of power. There's also a lot of members of JFAC that may not be coming back. We mentioned earlier. Um, Paul Amador is one of the ones who's not coming back. Jim Woodward yeah. is another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll have uh, Representative Nate, uh, Representative Giddings are both on JFAC and they might not, they won't be coming back. Um, given uh, Representative Nate, uh, is, his race is gonna be subject to a recall, but um, it's looking as though he may not be coming back. JFAC's not the only committee where that's the case. I'm, you know, I'm kind of have a reputation as the tax guy. I'm looking at the Senate Local Government and Tax Committee where the chairman, Jim Rice, lost his election. Uh, Steve Vick retired. Mary Sousa ran for Secretary of State. Regina Bayer retired. Five of the nine members of the tax committee are not going to be there in the next year. So I feel like this between redistricting and the turnover in election results, it feels like there possibly could be a lot more room in the legislative conversation when lawmakers come back to the state house next year. And Ruth, you said that it's up to the the speaker to appoint new leadership, you know, and just for just for clarity for listeners, you know, of course, in the Senate, it's the Senate majority leadership who works together on those, you know, on those committee assignments. But Going back to what we were saying about the difference in the makeup of the Senate, we don't know how that's going to affect Senate leadership races. You know, so no current members of leadership lost their races on Tuesday um, it, in that majority leadership team. Um, but with so many new members, we don't know how those leadership races are going to shake out in December. Um, and of course, whoever wins those leadership posts gets to make those committee assignments. Um, that's going to have big effects for local government and taxation. Senate education lost its chair and I believe vice chair. Um, and of course, the Senate Finance Committee. So huge ripple effects on public policy. You know, this, this sounds like inside baseball, but these are the decisions. The, these are the lawmakers who make the decision decisions on which bills get heard in the first place. It has huge policy repercussions for the citizens of Idaho. And I just double checked that Dave Lent, the Senate Education Vice Chair, did not lose last night. But, you know, it was a real possibility because he is, you know, one of those allies of Jim Woodward and Carl Crabtree, also on the Education Committee, who were both unseated last night. So many races to keep track of 100 and, 105 legislative seats, and most of them had primaries. So, yeah, thanks for checking that, Logan. Either way, regardless, huge turnover in these committees. Yes. And I, you know, as we're recording right now, it's not finished yet, but on the Idaho Reports blog, I will have some more visualizations 
similar to what I put up last week, showing where everyone kind of fell by the end of the night. Melissa, were there any other surprises? You know, I have to admit, I was a little bit surprised that Gay and Mordaunt lost. Um, that was a, another race that was not on my radar. Um, talking to a few other reporters, uh, they had noticed that her challenger um, had spent a lot of money. And so, um, you know, just... we. It's so interesting, all of the different races that we have an eye on. Ruth said earlier that um, she was surprised that Carl Crabtree had lost. That was one that I had had my eye on. I had heard that Cindy Carlson was keeping, um, it was was really giving him a run for his money. Um, but I also thought the superintendent race would be, would turn out differently than it did. Um, so it's it's been interesting, you know, in the aftermath of the primary to talk to other reporters and see who had their eyes on what and who kind of saw what coming, but no one I talked to really had Jeff Agenbrod um, on their radar. Uh, so that, that was a big surprise for me. I think if you had talked to the folks over at the Idaho Freedom Foundation, they definitely had Jeff Agenbrod on their radar. Sure. They had, they, they had a lot of people on their radar though. And so, it, it, and that's, that's so, that's an interesting point to bring up by the way, Logan, because, Tuesday was a day where it, you could look at it and pick out whatever message that you wanted to pick out, right? Like this was a great night for conservatives because they were able to pick up more seats in the Senate. This was a great night for traditional or moderate Republicans because they managed to fend off um, challengers in statewide offices. Um, no matter how you look at it, you you can find a narrative in there that supports what what you're hoping would have happened. Um, but again, we still have a general election to get through. Um, and some of the people who won on Tuesday are going to have uh, pretty tough challenges in November, um, especially in some of these uh, new districts. But overwhelmingly, the legislature is going to be much more conservative next year, I think. I was surprised by Ryan Kirby as well. He's a legislator that's in his fourth term. It's not like he's a freshman nobody. People know him well. He regularly sponsors legislation. So he's in the news pretty semi-regularly. He's, a belie I believe, on some of the governor's um, uh, working groups or task force. Uh, and he lost to Jacqueline Gallagher, but it was a close race. Uh, he had 48% of the vote, almost 49 so that was a horse race. Um, but I mean, it's, I think it's fair to say that it's largely unusual when a legislator who's served four terms gets, um, loses their seat, especially in the primary. So. Yeah. And like Melissa said, it was a real mixed bag, depending on what races you look at, you can really draw any sort of conclusions. It was a good night for conservatives. It was a good night for moderates. It was a bad night for incumbents. It was a bad night for challengers. Like we really don't know how this is all going to shake out until if at least November, probably not until January when we finally get 105 new lawmakers all in the same room together. And a lot of these mem these races were not avalanches. They were not sweeps. We have a lot of races that are 51%, 49%, 45%, 55%. And you know, that's not new this year. That's pretty standard going back a number of cycles where a lot of these districts are really, really close between the more conservative and the more traditional camp. It's been an unusual year, but we'll hope for the best and see how 2023 shakes out. 
Um, all of the races are up on uh, the Idaho Reports blog if uh, listeners want to take a peek at that, though. And of course, Idaho Reports will be covering all of our public affairs uh, happenings and current events before November. Up in November, you know, we'll be covering the legislative session. Melissa, Ruth, thank you both for joining me today. We're all very tired. Thank you for your great work last night. Thank you. Good job. Thanks, Logan. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. <laughs>